Welcome back to Wanna Be a Pro Wrestler, Me Too, the podcast. If this is our first time meeting, my name is Nikki Heat, and I'm here to help you become a better pro wrestler quicker by providing you with pro wrestling tips for beginner pro wrestlers. Today's episode features my only reason to scroll through Facebook, Noah Tall. This interview was a lot of great fun. We discussed the origins of the Noah Tall page, but it goes beyond being fun. Behind the curtain is Scott Hensley, a family man residing in Tennessee with his wife and two-year-old son. We discuss his background credentials, and most importantly, the fact he's a promoter. He runs the Scenic City Invitational, a Facebook page with 2,500 likes and a Twitter with almost 3,500 followers. But most importantly, he's helped raise over $20,000 for charity. The Scenic City Invitational features talent from around the globe to become the holder of the Scenic City Invitational Trophy. And this isn't just an ordinary trophy. This means you are able to withstand 15 other participants over two days to earn the right to be the winner. You may recognize some of these former participants. Benjamin Carter, Marco Stunt, Tony Deppin, Jaden Newman, Kurt Stallion, and Warhorse Jake Parnell. We discuss what Scott is looking for in a talent to be a part of his show, the difficulty of being a ring announcer, and a promoter on the same show day, why he was only willing to take one day of bumps and called it a career. The best way to support Scott Hensley, aka Know-It-All, Sucks World Heavyweight Champion, is to engage with them. Whether you're liking or commenting on the post, everything adds up and increases the visibility through whatever random algorithm Facebook is deciding to follow that day. The page is far more entertaining than most of the matches on Raw, or so I'm told. But if you are local to Tennessee and interested in enjoying some awesome entertainment, you can come watch the Future Showcase at 2 p.m. on August 6th for only $5 for the premiere of the Scenic City Invitational. The Scenic City Invitational has a bell time of 7.30 and is on the 6th and 7th of August. The event brings in promoters interested in scouting new talent and features some of the biggest up-and-coming professional wrestlers around the globe. This year features Big Beef, Jeremy Wyatt, One Called Manders, Logan Creed, Daniel Garcia, Alex Kane, Cabana Man Dan, John Davis, AC Mack, Graham Bell, Eric Royal, Jaden Newman, Derek Neal, Brett Eisen, Adam Priest, and previous year's winner, since we didn't have one in 2020, Daniel McCobb. It's okay to not know all of these. Do yourself a favor and look up at least one talent. These guys all have it. And here's my interview with know-it-all, I mean Noah Tall Scott Hemsley. So I'm going to be honest. I messaged you on your very dad joke-like Noah Tall <laughs> Facebook. Yes. And when I said, hey, Noah, um, are you interested in doing an interview? And you didn't respond within like the first day. I was like, okay, whatever. No big deal. Happens. <laughs> Two days later, I was like, his name is Noah Tall. That means know-it-all. Yeah. And I've been following you for like at least a year now. And it took me until then to realize, oh, the whole page is a dad joke. <laughs> Basically, yes. So how did that come about? Because that's like the most ironic, unironic thing ever. Because if you don't think about it initially, you kind of don't see it. Yeah, I started I started the Noah Tall account back in probably 2014. Yeah, I guess it's 2014. Uh, it was before I had even actually started promoting with Scenic City, but I'd been uh, just around a lot of shows, and I grew up around uh, a small show in, in our hometown in Middle Tennessee, and I just saw all these just crazy things happening among wrestlers, and I wanted to 
to, I guess, tell the jokes and to make light of some of the situations, but at the same time, just relate to everybody in wrestling. And I wanted to do it without like just burying people. I wanted to make it like situation, situational and entertaining without just like uh, knocking everybody without making it personal. Right, so it's more relatable as opposed to personal, even though I'm sure yes. there are people that have messaged you and like, hey, this is what you said, and it's definitely me. Yes. Oh, yes. I've gotten some heat from it, but nothing too bad. You know, every now and then I'll meet somebody that, like, grabs my hand tight, and they're like, you talk a lot of crap. <laughs> so, so do they know this is you then? Because I didn't know this was you, and I haven't even seen anything other than that, like... Besides your SucksCon 2021 and <laughs> all your other posts. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is entertaining. And this person seems to spend a lot of time like actually trying to make this. <laughs> I, I'm a meme expert and I, I have uh, I have a program on my phone that, you know, I, I can do a poster in like just a couple minutes. But yeah, every, everybody knows it's me. It's not a secret. I don't try to hide behind the account and I try to make it a, an account where I'm not saying anything that I wouldn't say to somebody's face because I mean, even like the worst professional wrestlers I've ever met are still like really brave people to me to even get out there in front of people and to try. And I, I mean, mean, sure, it's, it's uh, scary yeah. in, in a certain sense and it's, it's intimidating, but like there's a certain type of person that wants to do this, I guess you could say. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not all uh, of us are right in the head to an extent. I'm not going to try to pretend to be a tough guy or if I do pretend to be a tough guy, it's, it's done in a, a funny way, hopefully, but yeah. Yeah, and you never advertise any of your own personal shows. So you have City Scenic Invitational. Scenic City Invitational, yeah. I was going to say, don't ask me how many times I try to pronounce that correctly. And then I still did it wrong. But that's fine. I'll edit it and make it sound like you're dumb. And yeah, I, 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 sh- I share <laughs> I share the posters and stuff on there sometimes. Do you? I haven't seen yeah. anything. Oh, wait. Yes, there it is right there. Okay. I lied. But that was like a week ago. So out of every 10 posts maybe 20 posts you have of this being a meme and having a good time and entertaining, (laughs) you're actually promoting one event hypothetically, if we could gauge it that much. Right. Yeah. I I try to stick to promoting stuff like on the, on my actual Scott Hensley account. I do it as the promoter of scenic city invitational. Whereas, you know, every now and then I get really serious on know it all and offer some legitimate advice or like promote something legitimately. But I try to make it like an escape from like selling people stuff. So just to try to make it fun for everybody. Do you have a certain number of posts that you try to do before you get serious or before you start to promote anything? Is there a certain like mathematical number? No, it's, it's not that scientific. It's just, uh, it's just something I randomly do or like people will send me stuff and they're like, Hey, I've got a good one for you. (laughs) Or, or, or they're like, Hey, is, is there a way that you can like tackle this topic? And I'm like, yes, I can, you know, and and using, (laughs) using the, the different characters I've created for Southern underground extreme and, uh, you know, and just situational stuff. I, I think I'm I'm able to make light of, of most things. And I think that's, like, part of the best part of what wrestling at least kind of used to be. Is it, like, it used to be an escape as opposed to once you start to actually get into it, it starts to become, like, a void. And it starts to become, like, 
not necessarily a nuisance, but it becomes something that you're trying to take seriously and people are trying to like succeed with this. So it becomes, you know, how businesses are light and dark. There's always a dark and a light to each side. Oh yeah. And, and I, I definitely see how, I mean, there are people out there that just absolutely hate what I do on there. And they say, you know, you're burying the business, you're revealing all this stuff behind the scenes and you are, you know, making light of a a business that people work very seriously in. And at the same time though, you know, I do think it is one of those humor situations where if you don't laugh, then it just makes you frustrated or uh, you just get mad or upset about stuff or, you know, there's, there's a hopeless feeling sometimes in the pyramid scheme that is professional wrestling on the independent level. But, you know, if it was easy, then everybody would do it and everybody would be successful. So, I mean, it's definitely a, it's a crazy hard business. I mean, with, with wrestling, like, you know, I, I know I, I look through some of the stuff that you've done of, uh, you know, trying to help younger wrestlers. And I mean, it, it's so hard for guys to get started with wrestling because, you know, you're expected to be like this nutrition expert and look a certain way. You're expected to have like, you know, this great looking gear. You're expected to uh, really be able to get in there and already like be a technician and then be an entertainer and then be a marketing specialist and then be like a travel expert and then a budgeting expert. And it's like very few people can do all of those things really well. Yeah. And I think not even just that to be able to be the six to 10 things that you have to be no matter what. And then you have to be able to edit your own content and then not just that, but you have to actually be able to learn about lighting and photography and moments and then for some reason you're supposed to be able to know how to wrestle too yeah um can you elaborate more on when you said the pyramid scheme because i think that's really clever yeah i mean it's like down at the bottom everybody sort of works for free as like a dreamer and you know just trying to get your foot in the door and people are making you promises that may or may not be real uh, and then, you know, as you work your way up, you know, you're, you're getting some gas money maybe, and you're trying to just network and you're getting more promises and people are, you know, saying, oh, you know, we'll, we'll put the belt on you or, you know, we'll, we'll help you get on these other shows if you'll come do ours for free. And then, you know, you move up a little bit further and maybe you are making, mo- most guys don't even make it out of that level uh, you know, of, of getting just the, the gas money. But, you know, if you can make it out of that level and start getting some kind of booking fee on top of your gas money and trans and travel and stuff, then, I mean, you're already in like the elite, like probably 10 to 20% of independent wrestling. If you can make it out of just gas money. I mean, would you agree from what you've seen? Oh yeah. I think anyone that's making more than gas money is doing pretty well. Yeah. Like even, Bob Evans, I've done a couple of his seminars, and I'm mm. also enrolled in his, I believe it's called the Wrestle Life program yeah. that he has, yeah. where he has like a monthly fee, and then they do like match reviews and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where like, you want to get better, but also you understand that getting from this level to the next level, and they always utilize the term, oh, do you want to go to the next level? Like, it's always <laughs> some low-hanging fruit. Like, it's so easy. <laughs> 
you're like, oh, why not go to the next level? It seems easy. It's really oh, easy yeah. to learn stuff. I'm good at learning. Yeah. But it's like sometimes it's it's just fun to know stuff. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's always about increasing your value. Uh, I, I've, I've compared it to the mob before, which people have made fun of me about. But, like, I mean, if, if you study, like, how people get into the mob as, you know, th- there's people that, like, get in because of their family, which same thing with wrestling. But then, like, oh, yeah. outs- outsiders to really get in, uh, you know, they have to bring value. They have to be earners. And uh, that's Time. the same way with wrestling. Dues. I mean... Sure. Yeah. I mean, if if you're not bringing value, then you need to literally bring value by buying a ticket. I mean, that's how it is or that's how it should be. Uh, but so many people just, you know, get the door open for them just too easily. And, you know, I, I was probably in that boat as well. But, you know, I, I grew up watching wrestling, you know, just like everybody else. But uh, I also would write show reports and so I guess guys were sort of probably trying to kiss up to me. Yeah, <laughs> but, they wanted uh, you to put them over just a little course, bit more. Of course, but I mean, I, I think I'm a, a pretty good communicator, and uh, I, I do have a master's degree uh, in business. And so I, I think wrestlers, I, I think some guys saw something in what I was saying and in my interpretation of what they were doing and the feedback I was giving them as just a fan and they were like, yeah, let's, let's let this guy in, you know, let this guy behind the curtain. And now there's some of them that probably are like, man, that was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they probably take credit for your success to an extent, right? Like, like <laughs> they just want to make themselves feel a little bit better the same way, like the Dave Meltzer thing kind of happened, I guess. Uh, I, I don't think anybody really tries to, to take uh, credit for my success. I don't think I have enough success to take credit for. Well, let's not degrade <laughs> yourselves because I know you're not going to talk yourself up, but you have 2000 friends. That's who cares. Friends don't mean anything, but you have 2,500 likes on Facebook for scenic city invitational nailed it. And then on Twitter, you have like 3,500 followers. That's pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, we've built you're working it and pushed hard. it. We, we've pushed it a lot. And, uh, I've, I've really networked with some great people over the years. Uh, the, the biggest one probably being Dylan Hales that was a part of our team for a while. He works for IWTV, and uh, he is just one of the smartest people you, would, you could ever meet. And then within wrestling, certainly one of the smartest people. Uh, he is just, he's plugged into everything. He knows everybody and... Uh, he actually came to the very first Scenic City Invitational because we booked Congo Kong. So, uh, you know, he, he just wants to see something different and something attractive. And uh, he's been just absolutely crucial to us expanding because of his networking online with social media. And uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a struggle because locally, uh, we don't have a huge like local fan base. Like, I mean, our Facebook page. If you look at our interactions that we get on Facebook, which the uh, the the metrics or whatever on on Facebook are just so much harder to get. I feel like Facebook but, is way more paid as opposed to anything else right now. I feel like they they know yeah. that they're worth money, so they want money. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and we've we've done some of the paid ads or whatever, but I I feel like I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like the numbers uh indicate really reaching a lot of different people. I, I think it reaches the same people over and over and over. Oh yeah, but, for sure. It's cool to say you have a hundred extra followers, but if those were people that are basically already people that are following you or at least yes. are aware of you, it doesn't really yes. equate to much more. Because locally in Minnesota, I've seen two promotions advertised. I'll name them. They're Steel Domain Wrestling. Mm-hmm. They've been around for like 20 years. I've yeah. performed for them. And then Minnesota Independent Wrestling, and I've performed for them as well. And I'm like, okay, so I'm I'm aware they're advertising. It's smart but how much are they paying for me to see this? But I'm already a follower on their own page. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've really built through Twitter. Uh, Twitter has been one of the huge keys to our success. And, uh, you know, with the scenic city product, we initially started that as a show to, uh, partner with a local event in order to, uh, sort of feature just the best guys in the area and give them a a, bi- a bigger platform and just to elevate everybody by uh, bringing in some some bigger names and presenting it as a big deal with like a sports feel with the t- two night tournament and uh, then we got into doing fundraisers uh, for schools and so we added helping the community and raising money for them and giving guys that bigger platform uh, so. Twitter has really helped us to do that because it is such a, uh, you know, there is a wrestling Twitter, basically, you know, there's so many people that are plugged in and you, you can see the stuff that your friends share on there. And, you know, sometimes I've heard Twitter called like yelling in a big room, (laughs) like everybody's just yelling in a big room. I mean, Uh, sure. But that's, that's different because if you post something and, People always say, oh, you're not tweeting enough. That's why you don't have followers. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not how Twitter works. <laughs> the way you get more followers isn't by tweeting what you're thinking. It's to be engaging and to yes. have interactions. And you kind of glossed over how much donations you guys have done. Do you have a very specific number or do you just want to go with the ballpark of having raised um, over $20,000? Yeah, I I don't that's have a, a lot. That's not nothing. It is. Yeah, it it absolutely <laughs> is. You know, that's uh, that's three or four years of different shows, and uh, you know, there was a year, maybe two thousand and sixteen. I think we we got we raised ten thousand dollars just that year at the two day tournament in uh, a little town called Soddy Daisy, just up above Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, but they they've been. Well, actually, no, it was at, uh, we have another high school called uh, East Hamilton. Uh, that's where we raised the uh, 10000 And then uh, multiple other shows we've done are anywhere from like three to 5000 uh, So, you know. But we... how do you get that much? Because most events I'm on, if let's say you have a nice crowd. Let's say you have 200 people. They pay $10 a ticket, 15 for front row. Hmm. I'll even ignore that. <laughs> so, Two grand, if you're lucky. Yeah. And that's excluding paying for the building. Sure. Any advertising on Facebook, any payments for trans and performers. How are you able to actually bring in like five grand on an event? Are you guys raffling stuff off? 
are you guys selling action figures that were signed at prior events? Are you guys selling off posters? I know that's a cool thing to do is like having a poster signed by everybody is kind of like the coolest thing ever. But how are you guys able to bring in so much? We go in with the school and agree on a guaranteed amount. And then uh, for our events that are not the two-day tournament, uh, for like, like we also have a Scenic City Rumble that we do uh, mm-hmm. where the, the winner gets a spot in the Invitational and gets to pick their opponent. So, you know, we, we've added some, a, a cool little stipulation there for that. Uh, but for an event like that, we have a guaranteed amount that we know we're going to get whether one fan comes or whether, you know, four or 500 fans come. And then uh, we actually do a pep rally on Friday for the school where they do charge the kids anywhere from 2 to $5 for this pep rally to come support their school programs. And it, it's typically an athletic team. Uh, we do have one school, I think, uh, I think it is the, the Saudi Daisy School where it is their whole athletic department. And so they sell tickets to their pep rally. And so these are schools that have uh, probably... <sighs> I would say maybe a thousand kids. And so to get out of class, you know, five or six, <laughs> five or 600 of them are going to come. Two and bucks so, to skip a class. I'd pay for that every sure. day of the week. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's silly wrestling or whether it's, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, we, we basically make back their money at that point. But then they, their athletic teams are selling tickets. We are selling tickets alongside of them. And uh, once we have our guarantee, uh, then all of that money goes to the school. Uh, I think we, we do agree to like, uh, I, think, I think we do like 5% sometimes of, of ticket sales just to give an, an incentive for us to also sell those tickets. Uh, so... With the kids selling tickets, with us selling tickets, uh, we get people involved in the community. Sometimes we'll work a coach in uh, for some of our events, and uh, we actually oh, have. Yeah, a that's coach. always cool because the yeah. the fans always react to that kind of stuff. Like, that's my gym teacher. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one one of the coaches we got to work with actually here in uh, the the city that I live in of uh, Hickson which is also right above Chattanooga. Uh, the coach actually trained with Jimmy Golden, who was a uh, bunkhouse buck. And uh, like he, he knew Jimmy Golden's son and like they went to college together. And so like he had trained and like, he's this uh, huge lineman coach. And oh, so, he's uh, built. so, you know, <laughs> he's, he's probably, he's probably 300 pounds and he can do a drop kick. Like it, it was impressive. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, of finding out what works and that that's been what works for us. And it's one of those things where also though, there are challenges because it creates having a lot of masters, you know, we're trying to make, uh, the school system happy. We're trying to make the school happy, the coach happy, the parents happy, the kids happy, yeah, uh, so the many wrestlers happy, the fans happy, you know, local fans, the traveling fans. Uh, you know, it, it's so hard to check all the boxes, but I think we've really been able to do that successfully since 2016 now. 
You can come watch the Future Showcase at 2 p.m. on August 6th for only $5 for the premiere of the Scenic City Invitational. The Scenic City Invitational has a bell time of 7.30 and is on the 6th and 7th of August. The event brings in promoters interested in scouting new talent and features some of the biggest up-and-coming professional wrestlers around the globe. Uh, you know, we, we've tried, we've, we've done Scenic City trios. Um, so how was that? Because I feel like booking a trio is the worst thing ever, <laughs> especially was, several. Oh, it's crazy. Like, uh, we, we had Marco stunt book for our last trios event. And the night before was the night that he got injured out in Los Angeles. Ooh. So like it happened It like he calls and. He's like, hey, uh, I'm hurt pretty bad. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, uh, so what are we going to do? And it's like, so are you coming? <laughs> <laughs> no, we knew that. Man. Uh, so I, I think, I feel like AJ Gray and O'Shea Edwards uh, ended up like as Team Southern Underground Pro. And I think they just, uh, I think did we just two? did a handicap thing. Oh. Where I mean, that would were, make sense because they're two yeah. big dudes, man. Oh, yeah. But, like, I really hope their team name was Two and a Half Men. Sorry, I had to say it just because short jokes are always funny to people who are at least five foot six. Man, we, we missed that one, but yeah. Um, but yeah, trios is so challenging because a lot You're kind of. Kind tri- of making the teams up, right? Because it's not like so many people run as trios tag teams. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the issues. And uh, so, you know, if we're making them up, then it's probably not three guys that are all going to jump in the same car. So like, I know we booked a car out of, uh, I feel like we booked a car out of like the Virginia or DC area. And then like two of them showed up, I think it was Logan Easton LaRue. And I can't think of who the other one would have been maybe Isaiah Frazier. And so they show up and I think they may have ridden together and their partner is Wheeler Yuta, who is the current IWTV champion, I believe. And uh, so like he didn't come with them and then he calls and he was like, Oh, you know, I had some car problems. We're like, okay, are you coming? Like we can't just make like a third member of team Nova pro out of Virginia or DC and Chattanooga, Tennessee. So luckily, I mean, he made it and everything was fine, but yes, it's, it's a very stressful day and a very stressful build to try to get, uh, 24 guys to, uh, all show up and be a team. When you book say 20, 25 people, and I guess that's ex- excluding the security, the merchandise people, if there are any available. When you book 20 to 25 talent, how many of them call with issues? Because I've been considering running events just to like start dabbling and start to like, you know, it seems like fun to an extent until you start to read like uh thomas he's from ohio he always is like yep everyone (laughs) thinks it's fun until you have a 22 hour day and you're up making Mm. chili at two in the morning for an (laughs) event at seven o'clock at night and i'm like yep i'm gonna take my time getting used to this kind of stuff yeah i mean you you have to always expect that there will be some type of issue um i think you learn who you can trust and then i mean sometimes life just happens I mean, ultimately, 
you are not paying somebody's bills most likely. I mean, there may be like a bigger name or a bigger independent type guy that, you know, is somebody that, you know, you're paying them a little bit more. But for the most part, you know, if, if you're paying somebody gas money plus a little bit or just gas money, then if their real job calls them in, if they have a sick relative, if anything else happens, then, I mean, that takes priority. And it's just unfortunate, but it's just a fact. I mean, life happens and it's it's so frustrating and hard. But for some people, like <laughs> we had a guy locally and I said, OK, I said that guy had just hit the call out tic-tac-toe. Somebody said, what do you mean call out tic-tac-toe? And I said, yeah, he had. He had this real job call him in. He had a sick relative, and then he had car problems like three oh, months in a row. <laughs> nice. Nailed it. So, so it's like, man, and that guy was so talented, but it's like sometimes you sometimes you people get to just, a certain point yeah. where you're like, yeah, I don't believe it, and I gave you the benefit of the doubt, and that's on me, and now I'll know better. Yeah, and, and a lot of times it's not completely their fault, but it's, you know, who is able to make it work and who isn't. Yeah, it becomes black and white because either way, this event is going to happen because I've spent all this time and effort and I've invested all of this. I mean, I guess you can say money, right? Like time is money. So besides the actual booking the venue and booking um, the talent as well as the ads and whatever else it takes, like you're investing so much time into this. They say that like for every single event, there's the person that will do 90% of the work. And then there's the the rest of the people that are a part of it that will do 10% of it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to have a team of people and to uh, have always been encouraged and mentored by people that taught delegation. You know, if somebody's really good at something, put them in charge of that, let them do it. And don't, you know, don't hover over them, let them actually do it. You know, it, it does take a ton of communication but at the same time, you know, you do have to put your faith and trust in people. I think that kind of sums up like pro wrestling, because at some point you just have to go for it. You know what I mean? You just have to put yourself out there and either it will or it won't work. You can't spend 45 years making the perfect show ever, because by the time you actually go to have it, it won't look anything like what you initially imagined. Yeah. You, it is a lot of it is a lot of just doing the best you can with the best you can get. What are some of the things that you guys look for when you guys are looking out for talent that isn't in front of the camera? That's more so behind it. So for like ring crew, your graphic designer, your merch designer, those things. Because I know you're the announcer, so it kind of like, oh, that's one little less thing that I have to do. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah. when you're booking for security, you kind of have to pay them a certain amount, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we get some volunteers, but then we also have some people that, you know, just get a little bit of money to... It's nice to work for pizza just everybody. to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's primarily the uh, sort of the side roles and everything. But uh, for those people, I mean, the main thing is you just want somebody that's going to show up and not cause drama. Like that is like yeah, you don't want thing number one. Try to big dick anybody. Oh yeah, like I, I've made I, I've made a joke before that like the person doing the least on the event will ask the most questions. Yes. 
I feel like that's me. <laughs> so like some, somebody has like, you know, a rumble spot and like they rode with somebody and it's like, okay, that guy is in for like three minutes and then he's getting thrown out. And that guy's like, okay, so like, uh, I have baby face music and hill music and it's like, doesn't matter. Nobody knows who you are. You're coming out <laughs> okay. with one song. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Or like for a battle Royal or something. Yeah. Or they're like, okay, so like when I come out, do you want me to like pose or, you know, I have this pose that I do and you're like, just stop. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> like you, you, there will be no time for posing. Just get in the ring. <laughs> so essentially what they're asking for is, Maybe that they want to be acknowledged, and they're asking essentially to be micromanaged. Yeah, and and clearly that's not like the best thing to do because you are worried about the food, you're worried about four people not coming, you're worried about tickets, and so on and so forth. What is some advice that you would give to people that are just coming for a rumble spot, or people that are coming to do ring crew hoping to be seen, and maybe someone doesn't show up and they're hoping for a spot, so they brought their gear. I, I would say to like go through the chain, like whoever, like if you are a younger, inexperienced wrestler and you're just trying to get your foot in the door and like for those rumble spots or scramble spots or whatever, like I would try to ask whoever you rode with or somebody else in the match rather than going like straight to like the biggest person in charge and bothering them with like a small detail thing. What if they're not booked, though? Advice as far as what? Like, just trying to get booked or just, like, hanging out or what? A little bit of both. Like, trying to get booked is different than just hanging out, I feel like. But also, it's a little bit of the same thing. Just because when when you're there, you're trying not to be seen. But when you are seen, you want to be seen as being helpful. Sure, yeah. I would... Uh... I would advise people to let the promoter know you're coming or whoever you're riding with. That's probably the person that should say, Hey, I've got this guy coming with me. And then hopefully that person will put you over a little bit and be like, Hey, you know, he's trained by Mr. Anderson <laughs> or, yeah, or, or, you know, or he, he's been working a program with Gary J or, you know, what, whatever can get that promoter excited about you and create some legitimacy. Uh, you know, hopefully like your buddy, whoever you're riding with will tell the promoter that because it's so much like just people vouching for other people in professional wrestling and just to get those opportunities and get that foot in the door. And then I would say that you need to make sure that you are there early enough to set up. And, uh, you know, cause I I've had people before show up, you know, right as the event starts, or I've had people that will help and then like leave before the show starts. Like, uh, I was actually at a show where a guy came and did like a tryout match before the show. And then like he killed and like the promoter was uh, the other promoter. Uh, he, he was like, Hey, we got to get that guy. Where's that guy? And people were like, Oh, he left. <laughs> so, so like, yeah. it's, it's about communication. You know, I'll be just... honest. That was me. I, I set up one time for this one promotion and I was unaware of how those kind of things should go. So mm. I planned to come set up. And then I left after like the, in the middle of like the first match, no one told me not to, I was like, okay, well I'll come set up. I planned to tell my girlfriend like, Hey, I'm going to go do ring crew. Cause I didn't drive. So she drove me 
And she's like, okay, so when should I come pick you up? I'm like, this should be fine. And then, so she came to pick me up at like 6.30 when the showtime was 6. And then I ended up actually getting booked for them for like the next two years at a certain point. But it's just one of those little things that you're not really aware of, I guess. That it's not a part of your thought process when you think like, okay, well, I came to set up. So I guess someone else will tear the ring down or they'll just transport the ring by a helicopter. I don't see why not. Yeah, and then I I would say like you know once you've set up or whatever and uh you know there is that time where you kind of fill out whether you have or whether there's any openings or or not that have come open, um, then I would say you know ask the promoter or ask someone helping out is there something I can do to help out during the show. And then if not, then hang off to the side, you know, don't be seen. Uh, and then after the show, help tear down, of course, and then uh, have a conversation with the promoter. You know, make sure that you introduce yourself. Uh, so many people now, I think, just depend on digital communication. Uh, there, there was a wrestler, like I'll even say, like o- O'Shea Edwards, you know, he's uh he's getting his foot in the door with ring of honor. Now, you know, he's a part of Shane Taylor's group and uh, you know, he is a phenomenal wrestler and person. And uh, when he was first starting out, uh, he was asking me sort of for some advice on contacting promoters. And I told him, I said, show up. Like if you show up and ask to speak to the promoter, nobody's going to tell you no, you know, he, he's a big imposing dude. He's the kind of guy, he's the <laughs> kind of guy not to book him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're at least going to talk to him because he looks like a wrestler. You know, he's a guy you can put on the poster and people are like, ah, that guy could beat somebody up. You know, there's there's so much value in actually just showing up and introducing yourself uh, as opposed to just sending out, you know, generic uh, messages online to whom it may concern. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. To whom it may concern. So you don't know me. I can ignore you. Pretty much. Yeah. There's no personal touch there, but when you show up and invest in what they're doing, you know, even if you just do it once, you know, there may be products where it's like, man, I really want to get on this. And if I, if I invest, you know, a couple months or six months into showing up and doing this, like that's how bad I want on this show or it's the closest show to my house or the best show closest to my house. (laughs) You know, there's different reasons for doing what, whatever you're doing or your investment. Uh, you know, I, I think I saw where the undertaker said that he showed up for like three months, uh, in Texas at an Mm -hmm. event. Just waited at the door. Yep. Yep. And you think about good grief, you know, who wouldn't book the undertaker? (laughs) Yeah. How do you not book someone that's that big, just sitting there? Like, I don't know, is he someone's bookie or what? Someone owes some money. I would be terrified. I'm like, so (laughs) do you want the main event or what do you want? I mean, just looking at some of your events, like, these gymnasiums are stacked. Like, I mean, sure, there's a couple open seats here and there, and maybe you can argue it's only one side, so it's not as much as it looks like, but, like, the people look like they're having fun, and I feel like that's the most important part, as opposed to, like, well, 25 people came. Well, yeah, sure, that many (laughs) people came, but did they have fun? Are they going to come again next time? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, but and it's really hard to plant those seeds too. Doing what we do because people have asked, they've said, you know, is is Scenic City 
is that like a company? And it's like, no, it's just like some events. Like we, we are intentionally like like not (laughs) sort of. Yeah. I mean, like I've told people, like, I want it to be like an all-star game. You know, I, I want to work with local promotions that run all year and all these guys that run all year. And I want to help elevate their promotions and their guys and to just make it this big featured thing, you know, like, like an Olympics or an all-star game type thing. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely a so challenge, but take it's, it as... it's so much fun and so rewarding. I mean, if you take it like an Olympics, you're not going to take, oh, I'll take two of Minnesota's best, two of Wisconsin best, two of Tennessee's best, and we'll take every single state's two best, and then we'll do it. No, you're taking five from the United States, five from Canada, and so on and so forth. Like, you've had... Nick Gage, and that was before he kind of really popped off, I think, like, 2018. Um, you've had Joey Mercury right when he was around there. AJ Gray, you've had Warhorse, And, I mean, he wasn't what he is now, but he was coming into himself. So it seems like anyone featured on here seems to be the type of person that you're after. It's not that as a result of Scenic City, they're being able to benefit off of your guys's clout or celebrity or whatever you would want to call it. But like you're intentionally choosing people that are investing in themselves and continuing to grow. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We want, we want flag bearers for our brand and we want those guys. I I tell people like a a football reference, like we want the guy that's going to run for a really deep pass. And uh, you know, we, we don't want the guy that's going to take a knee or get, uh, knocked down at the line of scrimmage. We we want someone that's that's going to go and score a touchdown and wave the flag for us. And I mean, so we've had guys like you know Matt Riddle, Darby Allen, Joey Janela. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, AJ Gray. You know, we had him very early on. We had Warhorse uh, when he was the littlest Viking, Jake Parnell. Can I ask if that was before or after his giant face scar? <laughs> Um, I feel I, like you would notice that. Yeah, I, I believe he was there. I mean, he, he was there before and after because oh, I guess even better. I, I, rem, I, I remember the the hook from the ring. I think that was it's probably with Gary J, wasn't it? I couldn't say for sure, but yeah, I, I trust your judgment. Th- those guys have beat the crap out of each other for. Uh, you know, years now, and they they really produce something great when they're in there. I don't trust anyone enough to put a hook in my mouth and just yank <laughs> off half my face. <laughs> I think I could say I don't trust anyone enough and then just fill in anything with professional wrestling physical <laughs> stuff. Like pro- professional wrestlers, like I said, you know, even, even the really bad ones, you know, are still just like superheroes to me because it's, it's something that I wouldn't do. Yeah, I... So have you ever taken a single bump? I actually went and trained and took bumps just one day. That's all it took. That's all it and needs it, to take sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and it it wasn't like uh it wasn't like you know I want to be a professional wrestler. It's I want to have this experience. Like I want to have this empathy and understanding of what these guys are going through. And I think everybody should go in and take bumps one day just to feel the car wreck the next day, to, to feel your neck hurt, to feel your, your back hurt, to feel, you know, like I've told people like even running the ropes hurts. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I took a picture of my back after my first day of running the ropes, and I still have scars. And I, so when I was running the ropes after my first week of training, I put band aids on there because for some reason I thought that would help. But um, yeah, I still have those marks. I took a power bomb through a trash can at an event, and I have this really tiny, like dent in my shoulder, and it's nothing. You can't even tell what it is. But when I was hitting the ropes and then you continuously do it to get better and better, I still have that that strip across my back from hitting the ropes. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah. something that will always stay with you, I guess. And people people think it's like running bungee cords on a trampoline and it's like, no, like that's you might as well fall in your living room floor. Like there's wood boards and there's, you know, what is it, half an inch of padding, maybe. And, you know, it depends on which ring you're. Even you're lucky end. if your your ring has a spring at the bottom to even kind of bounce out or leverage out some of that pain because if your body's just not used to it, it doesn't matter how much padding there is. You could have who's the promoter? It's not the Monster Factor with Danny Cage, but there's the other one, the old angry vet. He has like three inches of padding on his ring, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care how much padding you put; it's gonna hurt. You guys oh, are. Yeah. It's going to be fun at first, and it, it actually didn't scar me as much to take my first bump, and I took it fine. I expected it to hurt. I've read my McFoley book. I read the Chris Jericho book. I knew what to expect. <laughs> One thing they don't explain, however, is what it's like to try to walk to the bathroom the next morning. <laughs> that just I mean, doesn't go away. The Describing it like being in a car accident is the only thing I can think of because of trying to protect your head and trying to hold your, to tuck the chin and uh, distribute your weight and everything. But you, it's so unnatural to, you know, put yourself through that, that your body is just like, stop, please. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. This is dangerous. This is not natural. This is not what you're supposed to do. I think it's coach Josh Gary that always says pro wrestling is the most unnatural thing your body will ever do. Yeah. And I haven't done very many sports myself. I've done kickball, like we said, but <laughs> I, uh, I can't recall ever having to fall backwards safely as a part of any sport. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard people talk about like slipping in the ice and like, or slipping on ice and tucking their chin or something. And they're like, that's the only time like a wrestling bump would ever come in handy in like real life. Like, Oh yeah. Like that McFoley book said he was taking bumps in the snow on the frozen ground <sighs> just to get better. And I'm like, okay, that explains his future pretty well. I feel like, <laughs> So when you're booking essentially the Olympics of pro wrestling, you don't have to call it that, but I think that's the best way for me to remember it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. It, it's pretty difficult just to be able to book it, let alone get – you guys are booking eight talent, correct? Well, for our two-day tournament, we booked 16 wrestlers, and then, of course, we have two to three referees. I'm the ring announcer. Uh, we book For a all the of... events? Yes. As you're running it to make sure everyone's there on time? Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> oh, I, uh, I I mean, I, I do the ring announcing, and it's just one of those things where it's it's one more job we don't have to fill. And, and we have done a couple shows where I have booked somebody else to do it because uh, I, I do usually bring in 
someone to run the back. And like uh, my my main partner right now is a guy named Matt Griffin, who was actually uh, in the military and he's a, a businessman and he wrestled for uh, probably 14, 15 years. Uh, he was like an NWA Virginia champion, I think. And he traveled a lot. But uh, he just he, but checks he gets all the, the idea of the business. Oh, least. yeah. He, ch- he checks all the boxes and he is a great people person, customer service oriented. But if he needs to lay down the line with some wrestler that's not going to listen, he can absolutely do that as well. And that's that's what I want for somebody that, that runs the back. You know, the, I, I will I, I can tell a wrestler what I want, sort of. But when it gets down to the details and stuff, I'm not going to pretend to uh, to know how to, you know, call a match or uh, the psychology, different things. You know, I can tell them some of the things or the stories we're trying to tell. But ultimately, like I want like an agent back there. I want somebody that has uh, a rapport with the wrestlers. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, but for as, as far as talent goes, like what we typically book uh, like most of our events, you know, the scenic city invitational is a little different, but I would say most of our events have about 20 to 25 wrestlers, uh, which with the invitational, oh my God, we that do a day two terrible. thing <laughs> with, uh, with the invitational, we do a, a day two scramble and then we'll usually have a surprise or two. Uh, we did have Alex Zane as a surprise to wrestle Tony Deppin a couple years ago. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but then we also do a Futures Showcase tournament uh, with action uh, where we have nine guys in that. So uh, it's it's a lot of logistics, a lot of scouting, a lot of networking. Uh, but it's it, it's challenging but fun. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the best part where it's like equal challenging to equal enjoyment of the actual concept to where once it's done you're like oh thank god that's done i'm never gonna do <laughs> it again <laughs> i can't wait to do it next time <laughs> yeah pe- people are like oh you guys should run weekly or monthly and it's like nope <laughs> yeah once you start to actually think about the logistics of all that that adds up quick it does yeah i mean we 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 tried to run like I don't know, every three months, like, I mean, we do three to four shows a year typically, you know, but now with COVID, who knows? Yeah, like, it's always uh, hard to tell. Well, not always, I guess it's the first time ever. When something like this happens, you can never determine how safe people are going to feel and how much people are going to want to spend when going out to stuff like this and how many people you can actually entertain in certain venues. Yeah, this year is the first year that, uh, or since the first year, that uh, we are not going to do the Invitational Tournament at a school. Uh, We are partnering with a local promotion called TWE uh, in Red Bank, Tennessee, which is a part of Chattanooga. Uh, But we are using their venue this year, and it is much, much, much smaller than a high school gym. Uh, But we need... Oh, yeah. Is it only one-sided, too? Uh, it, it's three, well, it, it basically two sides has are taken off and then the backside looks like it's just a TV. Yes, pretty much. Uh, Ooh. there's, there's two big sides and then there's a wall where there will be seating and then the opposing wall, like the hard cam wall, uh, it's just empty. There's no fans back there, but we have figured out that we can get about 220 people in there, uh, per night. 
but I'm actually hoping that we probably only have like 180. <laughs> if, if we get to, if we get 220, which, which we, we're already like, I don't know, we're probably at 140, 150 a night already. And we're still, you know, a month out. So I don't know. It, it's going to sell out for sure, but uh, we'll probably have to borrow some chairs and move some stuff around. Oh yeah. That's always the best part when you're moving stuff as people are coming in and they're like, where am I supposed to sit? And you're lucky to have two or three guys helping. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have, but, uh, you know, I I will be glad to go back into like a high school gym, but, uh, you know, there's challenges that come with that as well, because like we, we don't have control, you know, they could easily have just told us the night before or something like, oh, well, you know, summer school needs it for testing. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, we've already spent thousands of dollars bringing people in. You know, we have plane tickets we've bought and we've sold all these tickets, you know, what are we supposed to do? Like, I mean, oh, it's, that's it's scary. crazy. That's kind of like the promoter's worst nightmares, waking it, up it and is. realizing all that time and effort was for nothing. It is terrifying. Last year we had to cancel the invitational tournament due to COVID, but we also had to cancel the rumble because of the weather. Uh, we had an ice storm come through and snow and, uh, is it snow in Tennessee. I'm so sorry. I'm not from there. <laughs> Yes, and the anybody from the north uh, makes fun of us because nobody around here knows how to drive in it. But basically, we don't have a lot of equipment to to help melt the snow, and we have a lot of hills and mountains, and so I mean, people are sliding off the roads, and it's it's a pretty serious issue. But also, it's one that it's like we just don't have the capability to deal with it the way that most northern cities do because we only get like a lot of snow probably two days a year if it helps any it's not that the promoters know what they're doing it's that the cities are prepared for it so i don't think the city is prepared for this much snow and it's always like a panic attack basically oh it is yeah i mean so last year we did our pep rally for the rumble and then it snowed like that morning like we got probably three or four inches, which I know is nothing to you guys, but down here, like I said, it's a big deal. And uh, so the county put out this thing about all school events are canceled and the sheriff's department put out stay off the roads. And then like some of the weather people though are saying like this snow is going to melt. And the school is like, well, like, you know, the school system has said that we can't do any events and you know, what do you guys want to do? <laughs> and we're like, well, yeah. basically the city told everybody to stay home. Like, you know, we, we have to cancel this. Like, They're asking you as opposed to following the city. That's so funny. It, it was awful. It was, I, I tell people that that was like the second worst day in my wrestling life ever. The, the first that was right before 2020. Or yes, right before that, the COVID that was even happened. before COVID. Yes. Wow. So we were off to a great start in 2020, but uh, we actually ended up being able to have our uh, Futures Tournament in October. We had it at TWE, and that was sort of a trial to, to see how things could go if we used their venue. And uh, we packed it out, and we had one of the best fields we've ever had. Uh, you know, our final three was uh, the captain, Sean Dean, Adam Priest, and uh, Nolan Edward. And, you know, Nolan Edward is one of the, the biggest names in independent wrestling right now. Um, he's taking off. And then uh, 
Sean Dean and Adam Priest have both worked a lot with AEW and Sean Dean's actually signed to AEW. So, I mean, our top three guys are, you know, one of them's off the board, so to speak. And two of them are, you got them like uh, right at the last second, basically. Yes. So when you're, when you're creating posters or you're creating events, I know it's cool because all the indies always like to have like the last stand or this one is going to matter or just little weird indie names. But you guys seem to be consistently <laughs> using the same names, like building around essentially like Super Bowl 47. <laughs> stuff yeah, like we, that. We've, we've tried to brand, uh, you know, we have the Scenic City Invitational. We have the Scenic City Rumble. Uh, we've had... Uh, scenic city throwdown we've had scenic city showdown thank you so much for listening to the first half of my interview with scott hemsley on the wannabe a pro wrestler me too podcast be sure to catch the second half next week where we dig even deeper into all these topics if this was our first time meeting be sure to reach out and give me a follow across your preferred social media and if you're interested in other pro wrestling content for beginner pro wrestlers check out my youtube page as well the interview was a lot of fun we discussed the noah tall page we discussed scott the man, and most importantly, we discuss what Scott is looking for in a talent to be a part of his event, and the difficulty of being a promoter. The best way to continue to support Scott Hensley, aka Noah Tall, Sucks World Heavyweight Champion, is to engage with them across our social media. His Twitter is SCI Tournament, the Instagram is SCI Tournament, and the Facebook page is Scenic City Invitational. You should pretty much be able to find them if you look up Scenic City Invitational. But if you are local to the Tennessee area and interested in enjoying some awesome entertainment from up-and-coming stars on the independent scene, you can attend the Scenic City Invitational on August 6th and 7th with a 7.30 bell time. Tickets are only $15, and if you want even more wrestling than that, because honestly, who doesn't, you can come watch the Future Showcase at 2 p.m. on Saturday the 6th for only $5. I would like to once again thank my guest, Scott Hensley, and the fans of the podcast. I'll see you in the heat.